the first Bible and New Yorker cartoon class we had was six months ago. It was uh, June, uh, June of last year. And while it might not have been your, your favorite class, uh, enough of you have asked for a sequel that we thought we'd bring her back. And what a better time than, than now because majority of these ca- cartoons have come from the, from the desktop calendar that you can get of New, York, uh, New, New Yorker cartoons, desktop calendar. Few of them uh, came from the magazine. Majority came from that calendar. So, you know, every morning you can't look ahead. Every morning you you rip it off and you take it t- uh, take a look at it. I hope that you'll find uh, find them humorous. Uh, but the truth be matter, I, I have not selected the ones that I have selected uh, because they happen to be funny. Although I hope that you will find some of them funny. Uh, but I've selected them because uh, they particularly hit me with some theological message behind it. In other words, I, I selected on the basis that I was able to interpret the cartoon uh, either, either theolo- theologically or in ecclesiastical, through, through theological or ecclesiastical lenses. So here we go. Now, the first cartoon uh, that I've selected is explicitly about church and, and culture. This would be another example uh, of, of what I would call the cultural captivity of the church. <clears throat> I guess you don't point at the screen. You pointed at something. There we go. <clears throat> now, what we have there, of course, is... Can you all see it okay there? I feel like if I'm standing here, I'm blocking it. Am I okay? This is the church, United Church of Oh My God. And, of course, you can see all the, all the, the texting. And the, the O-M-G uh, is what it is, you know, like F-Y-I and, and so forth. There's, there's a lot of that. I don't know whether you can get my granddaughter or, or even uh, my, my son or my daughter to tell you what, what all the meanings uh, mean with, with these, these texting shortcuts uh, uh, jargon. If, if you're preaching from the pulpit, and all I and, and, and your eyes happen to fall on someone that, that's texting, <laughs> then you know you've lost them. And I think if there's anything more disconcerting to a preacher uh, than, than finding someone who's asleep while, while you're preaching, uh, somehow I know that you can work your way through that. But texting, <laughs> but someone who's texting or or emailing. Or, or, do, or whatever you do on these little gadgets here, that, that, that will really have a tendency to, uh, uh, to, to bring you down. And I, I think that... Huh? Yeah, oh, yes, I have. I have seen that. I can tell you, uh, not frequently, but with some degree of regularity. And, 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 and it's not always teenagers. And sometimes you th- and a lot of times it is, but but not always uh, teenagers. Uh, and pardon me. Well, I doubt it. <laughs> could be, could be. Maybe I need to give them the benefit of the doubt there. But I am convinced that the devil himself uh, just delights in, in in different ways of disengaging us uh, from worship. Uh, there's the prayer. You know, there's the old Anglican prayer. 
O Almighty God, deliver us when we draw near to Thee from coldness of heart and wanderings of mind that with steadfast thoughts and kindled affections we may worship Thee in spirit and truth. And so that prayer, you know, it's got, because it's not just when we're texting, you know. I, my mind can wander even when we're saying the Lord's Prayer. I mean, and I, I'll talk about that again in a minute. This is one other thing I want to say about the OMG. And, and that is, your, as your pastor, uh, let me just uh, persuade you not to do the, the oh my God thing. Uh, because it really kind of doesn't fly really healthily in, in, in vis-a-vis the third commandment. Uh, oh my gosh is a lot more appropriate for you guys. Let, let me just lift that up to you. I, I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm not wagging my finger at anyone because I'm just as guilty. I've caught myself saying, oh Lord, you know, and I, I think it's, uh, you know, if I'm praying, that's one thing, but if I'm, if I'm just using the Lord's name in vain, that's another. On the other hand, I would say the Lord is a title, like Messiah or Master or Rabbi or Teacher, where, where God is, is, is his name. And so I think in certain Jewish circles that, uh, and, uh, to the Orthodox Jewish faith, that, that, that that's, that's why they use a, an acronym for God. They don't even use the name. So anyway, for whatever it's worth, I'm not suggesting our salvation is at stake, but I just as your pastor lift that up to you. Now the next one is also deals with the this, this same uh, theme, and it's called experimental theater. Uh, and oh, it's so crazy. Why would I want? There we go. He says, please turn on your cell phones. Ex- experimental theater. I thought that was kind of funny. And the reason why I uh, I do that is uh, again uh, uh, for cell phones that. that that go off and trying something that, that would be different to really stick in people's mind. And I thought during Lent, you know, one of the things that as we introduce these various speakers when they come through, one of the things we always say is right there in front of us is, uh, we also encourage you to please uh, turn off your cell phones. And so I thought, I thought maybe this year I would try the experimental Lenten series. <laughs> and I'm going, to, I'm going to tell the congregation, we would ask you now to please turn on your cell phones and just see what they say. Uh, John 16.33 is one of the most oft-quoted verses that I personally use uh, almost on a daily basis. And John 16.33 is, In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Uh, In the world ye shall have tribulation. And Jesus certainly wasn't kidding. And the cartoon for us this morning that kind of goes with John 3.16 is this one. All right, I'm done <laughs> with making that mistake. What a Christmas. First the North Pole melts and then all the elves get laid off. <laughs> now that was on December 26th of the calendar. I think it was December 26th. I'm not sure. Yeah, I believe it was. But, uh, you know, I don't know. There's something about that just, just struck me as being kind of profound. I, uh, you know, there's an old high school cheer, high school football cheer, is, you know, like, uh, cheer up, Aiken, the worst is yet to come, you know, when the game is getting out of hand. So if you're, a Cle- <clears throat> if you're a Clemson fan, you really know how that feels, but, and, it, and at the end of the first half, my daughter says, cheer up, Dad, the worst is yet to come, and, and she was right, you know. But I have, I have come to use that now as I, as I see people in the staff, you know, going up and down the floor. I say, you know, cheer up, Beulah. The worst is yet to come. They kind of flinch and look. Now, 
like I said, uh, all these are not funny, but here's a guy, the waiter comes over and says, how's everything? <laughs> How many times have you been greeted, not just at a restaurant, but by, by a friend of yours, someone saying, hey, Frank, how's everything going? Uh, or or how, I hope everything is okay. And I, I don't know about you, but if, if I'm having a good day, I, I'm always honest. And if I haven't had a good day, when somebody asks me, how's everything going, I have a good day, I say, well, most things are good, if, if I'm having a good day. Uh, and if I'm not having such a good day, and they say, how's everything going? I say, no, everything's not going so well. And just, you know, tell them the truth. Most things are. Better than I deserve, we'll know the truth. But, but uh, everything. Uh, but the thing about it is we live in a broken world. In the world, you shall have tribulation. Now, am I being a pessimist? I, I don't. I, I, th- I think is, is, is we have a tendency to mix up realism and pessimism. Uh, but uh, and in fact, one of the cartoons that I featured last time that I'm not featuring this time is the one that says, "I feel a lot better now that I'm that I'm back in denial." <laughs> so I guess I guess you know there's some truth to that. Uh, anyway, how's everything? Well, I don't know. Everything is not so good. But we don't have to live in denial. The truth of the matter is because we can face reality uh, and the realistic, uh, the truth of Jesus' words in the world, you shall have tribulation because of his promise. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. We don't have to live like this man is what I'm saying. Very good. Now go out and there and convince others. Now, I used to have a mustache uh, when I was in seminary, and we had the faculty advisor call us in. We had these one-on-one conferences every semester, and one guy said, Frank, you always look so sad. And uh, I, said, I said, well, I, you know, I don't know what to do about it. And he says to me, well, you might start, just shave the mustache, because it kind of went down like that. And I shaved it, and they said I looked better. But <laughs> Very good. Now, go out there and convince others. You know, sometimes you, you, you just... Put on a happy smile and just do the best you can. You remember Stuart Smalley, Saturday Night Live? See, that guy was that way too. Uh, he had a Joel Osteen smile, but, but, uh, and he, he, he would look into the mirror and he said, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. You remember? And then he would go out into the world and just, I mean, just blow it. I mean, within the first hour, that thing went downhill. Point being, uh, we don't have to live uh, in, in denial. Uh, we, we can uh, still, I think, be realistic without being called a pessimistic because of Jesus' promise. But if you're human, you struggle. And I found this man's uh, comment to his wife interesting. He says, Am I a happy man or just an asymptomatic one? Now, I wonder what, what symptoms he was referring to there. Am I a happy man or just an asymptomatic, asymptomatic one? What kind of symptoms uh, does, does uh, I would say, personally, uh, you tell me what you think, periods of depression, uh, bad moods, feeling of rejection, but the truth is we can be happy and, and of good cheer uh, despite showing symptoms of, of humanity. And again, uh, that's because 
of the promise uh, of Jesus, who said, Behold, one of my great, one of the great verses in the Bible, I think, is in Revelation, where Jesus says, Behold, I make all things new. Uh, and, and, and in the light of Easter morning, those, those are wonderful words. But life is tough. We suffer uh, disappointments and lose those things we cherish. Like this man. Oh, not like that man, because we've already visited him. Like this guy. I'm putting you... I'm putting, on, I'm putting you on a whatever you like to eat, don't diet. <laughs> See, again, we lose things we cherish, we lose things we love. You know, the man that came to me, I think I told you about him, but was depressed, and uh, he, he uh, had, had come, you know, he was an avid golfer, and he had determined that he just, that was gone, and, and his physical dexterity, let me put it that way, that, 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 that kind of had dwindled down to a, a, just a barely uh, a flickering little wick. And he expected that to go out any time. And, and, but the biggest thing that got him, he said, is that the one thing he loved was fried oysters, and his doctor would take him off of fried oysters. But, but again, I'm talking about the human condition here is, is what it amounts to, and, and just facing it. But considering the human conditioning, and considering our troubled world, uh, where do we go uh, for help? Well, these two gentlemen are at the end of their tethers, so to speak. Uh, and he says, of course, if this one flops, we're done. And he's handing him, he's handing him plan Z. <laughs> I hope this is not too depressing, but I... I, I <laughs> You know, if your help doesn't come from the Lord, I mean, that's where you're going to end up right there. I mean, yeah. our help cometh from, from the, the Lord. I, I, I love Jesus' parable of, of when he was pointing to himself. He said, you know, if you build your house uh, on, on the rock when the wind blows and, and, the, and, the, and the rains come and beat upon that house, it, it's, uh, it's in Mark, it's Matthew 7, beginning at 24th verse. Uh, then at the end of the day, the, the house is going gonna, is gonna to crumble. But whoever has built his house on the rock, and is pointing, pointing to himself and what he accomplished on the cross uh, and his mercy and his forgiveness and all the things that we human beings need, then he said when the winds come and, 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 and beat upon that house and the rains come, then the house will, will, will stand. Well, how about this man's attitude? You're going to keep on looking until you find something, aren't you? <laughs> I think that's good. Oh, gosh. I mean, when I first saw that, I was eating some, uh, some cereal. I just, you know, like just about spewed it out on the table. I just thought it was great. You know, I wish physicals were like the car wash. You get to choose how, how in-depth to... You, know, if you, get, you get plan A, and then you just give it a little brushing up or... But, uh, you know, they can get, uh, but eventually the doctor's going to find something because we're immortal. Uh, we need a Savior. Now, speaking of losing things, uh, again, the, the verse, Behold, I make all things new. Uh, and what we look forward to, uh, it, it, 
at the end of our at the end of our journey. And look what I have for you. It's your short term memory. <laughs> now, you know, I take that cartoon very seriously. I take it very seriously. Because I think that is the promise. That is a biblical promise. And whatever's ailing you today, brothers and sisters, uh, I'm going to tell you, there's a new day coming. And what the Bible teaches us, of course, is that the day we die, we, 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 will, we will see Jesus and our soul uh, will we'll, uh, we'll see God. At the great last day, however, that's when Jesus says to the dying thief, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Not at the end of the time. Today you will be with me in paradise. At the end, at the, end, at the great last day, at Jesus' second coming, however, even our bodies uh, and, uh, it, it are, are renewed. And we're given a different body and a renewed body. Uh, and, and it will be uh, so beautiful uh, and so wonderful. And somehow, no, I can't explain it. Paul says it's a great mystery. If you look at 1 Corinthians 15, it's all a great mystery. And he doesn't even attempt to try to explain, uh, explain the details because he has no idea other than the promises that he finds uh, in the Scripture. And, and Jesus, behold, I make all things new. Uh, in a sense, even though we are recognizable, it will still be Frank Limehouse and it will still be you. Uh, and it'll still be your neighbor, it'll still be your wife. Even so, it will be renewed. It will be beautiful, and it will be like Jesus in, in every way, physically and spiritually. So I take I take this cartoon uh, kind of seriously. It's, it's funny, uh, but it's also serious, and like all these cartoons are. Now, if you uh, if you younger people, uh, you younger people here perhaps are not so concerned about all of what I'm talking about. Having a new body, the body you have is just fine. Thank you very much. But let me tell you. Uh, like sand in an hourglass, so are the days are our lives. Let me tell you, it's like this. The guy says, I went from zero to 60 a lot quicker than I expected to. <laughs> See, if, if you remember your teenage driving days, when, when, when you, when you, that was all I cared about, how fast that like Oldsmobile. My, my dad had a, 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 an Oldsmobile, uh, and that was the key thing. You know, how fast could I get from zero to 60? That, that was the thing, and so... Anyway, this is a reinterpretation of that expression. Uh, and this cartoon is like unto it. It's so sad about Helen. Doctors have done all they could possibly do, but still she shows her age. <laughs> okay, I mean, you know, it's funny, but it's serious, is it not? Uh, There's a wonderful old song. Jane, are you here? Jane. Ah. Okay. <laughs> I'll go for the jugular. Jane is just, I hope I'm not getting in trouble here, but Jane would love to have a facelift. All right, I'm probably in trouble. Anyway. And I, <laughs> that's not good, is it? No, I bet you she'll be here for the next Dean's class. <laughs> And so we were talking about it, and I said, Jane, and I went to, I, went, I, went, I Googled, and I pulled up an old song. Uh, some of you won't know the song, but, but some of you may. Believe me if all those endearing young charms, which I gaze on so fondly today, were to change by tomorrow and fleet in my arms, like fairy wings fading away, that would still be adored as this moment thou art. 
Let thy lovingness fade as it will. And around the dear ruin, each wish of my heart would entwine itself fervently still. That's just the first stanza. It's a wonderful, wonderful. Y'all know that song? Any of you know that song? Oh, yeah. Isn't it beautiful? I wish I, I've had the nerve I'd sing it to you. <clears throat> but it's a beautiful one. Uh, but, but anyway, behold, I make all things new. So in light of Easter morning, those, those words are full of promise. They're full of hope. So we'll not only get our memory back, but we'll get uh, every, everything uh, that, we, that we lost, we, we, we'll get back. And in the meanwhile, I'm just telling you, you know, it, it, it's all right. It don't make any difference. Uh, I told Jane, he said, you know, I, I sung that song and I meant it. Now I want to talk about the sinful part of the human condition. We've been talking about the human condition. Now we're going to the sinful part of the human condition. And I'm going to begin with this cartoon right here where he says, uh, small potatoes is no defense. <clears throat> Isn't that very much like us when it comes to our sin? You know, sin is not, is not just an action, though it is an action. We sinners can do some terrible things. But it's, more, it's a condition. Uh, and it's a condition of, of uh, the way we react, the way we think. that manifests, manifests itself in, in, in so many ways that are... That are uh, that are, that are not good. There are two primary, small potatoes and no, no defense. I think that they are two primary obstacles to finding grace. And the, and the first one is believing that your sins are greater than the blood of Jesus. Uh, there is no sin greater than the blood of Jesus. But, but I, we're thinking about uh, a, a prison ministry here at the Advent. We're serious about it. In fact, next week, <clears throat> here in this class, we're going to make a presentation on pr- prison ministry. We're bringing in one of the one of the prison ministers is going to talk about the ways that we might get involved in prison ministry. But one of the things you notice in you going to prisons is convincing these people that, that, uh, that their sin, that what they've done, what they're there for, uh, is, is uh, not greater uh, than, than the blood of Jesus. Uh, but, however, the other one is like this guy, uh, thinking that, no big deal. Uh, you know, I think I'm fine. I'm okay with God. And any sins I've had is just, just small potatoes. Well, the summary of the law, that you'll love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and all thy mind, and to, and to put other people in love others, put their needs in front of yours, is so fractured. We fall so woefully short that we all, we, we all stand condemned. Now, this guy also thought in terms of small potatoes. Wait, those weren't lies. That was spin. <clears throat> you know, you can tell the truth, technically, but it's a lot of deception there. And some examples? <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of them out there. Those, those, that, that was spin. That wasn't a lie. Well, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and truth is not in us, but we confess our sin, God is faithful and just, forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The people that know us best know the truth. If we say we have no sin, if we think it's all small potatoes, then we deceive ourselves. And that those who know us best probably know the truth. And that brings up this cartoon here. Yeah. The poor deer wanted to give his own eulogy, but I'm doing the rebuttal. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I was at a funeral, and I know I told you the story before, but I'll tell you again. I was in a funeral in Beaufort, and, I, and I, we went to church. We went to a funeral in, in another church, Baptist church there in downtown Beaufort, and I was sitting next to one of the parishioners, my parishioner, a, a, a lady. She's hard of hearing. You heard this story? Anyway, we heard this resounding eulogy, and you would think this guy, what all he did for Beaufort, the community, and all this, all the things he did in the community with him, it was just... It was just, uh, you know, overwhelming. And then he, the guy went on for 20 minutes. But anyway, she leans over to me and said, he was a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing about it is she didn't realize how loud she talked because she was hardly hearing. <laughs> and the people in the few, and the people in the pews in front of me could hear and the people in the pews behind me could hear and the right and the left and everybody was still on guy. And I'm just, I, I'm just sinking down, you know. Now, I'm going to talk about a guy who knew the truth about himself, and he was honest about it. And you have to be careful with that, too, because it can get you in trouble, like this guy. Maynard, your deathbed's confessions were disgusting. Do you hear me? Disgusting. Isn't that great? <laughs> I wonder what he said. <laughs> that was a brave little boy. Mrs. Brian, I remember all that stuff I said I did on some vacation? I didn't. <laughs> See, confession is good for the soul, right? Uh, it is. And I, and, I, and I admire this young man, so I selected him. Now, this guy coming up next uh, doesn't mind admitting his guilt and wrestling uh, with his, his painful, his sinful plight uh, when he says this. He said, you know, when I don't dream, I feel as if I'd forgotten to take out the garbage. Anybody ever feel that way? I'm going to tell you, that I have, and I, I haven't admitted this before, I know of, but I have this kind of ridiculous little fantasy in my mind, this little image in my mind. They pick up trash at my house on Mondays and Thursdays, and there's something therapeutic about, about it for me. I take the trash out, and when I hear the garbage come, I will actually go to the window and look at it and see them haul that trash away. I don't know. I just find it therapeutic. <laughs> so I thought I'd share that with you. <laughs> and I interpret that theologically. But I tell you this, uh, you know, when I don't dream, I feel like as if I forgot to take out the garbage. I think psychologically and theologically there's some truth to that. But when your wife, if your wife ever tells you that you were talking in your sleep, then they'll always feel a little uncomfortable there, you know. <coughs> it's, time, it's time to start worrying, you know, oh, Lord, what did, I, what did I say? Now, mirror, mirror on the wall. When you look into the proverbial mirror, do you like what you see? Now, I like Gerald Bray. He's going to be doing some teaching here, uh, uh, not next week, but the week after, do a three-part series. Gerald Bray, professor at Beeson. Don't miss him. He's great. But uh, he, he, he's the one that talked about women being a little smarter than men. When they look in the mirror, they'll they, you know, do makeup and so forth and work on the way they look. Men just look in the mirror and just brush their hair and go on about their business. But, but the question is, when you look in the mirror, do you like what you see? I, Craig Small told an interesting story one time. When, they, when he was... Uh, 
being recruited to play soccer, uh, soccer at the, the Citadel. Uh, the, the coaches came to visit him in his living room, and they gave him this brochure. And on the front of the brochure, it had a mirror. So, so when the, the guy they're being recruited looked in the mirror, and it says underneath there, what you're looking at is a rising star at, at Citadel. And, uh, and you know, Craig, <laughs> Craig didn't buy it all. He looked at it and said, I don't know <laughs> about, uh, about that. Uh, but but he, here it is. Here's the cartoon that goes with all of that. Uh, the guy... <laughs> Isn't that great? <clears throat> you know, I wish it were that easy, you know. How many of you ever felt like that guy? Oh, Lord. I... <laughs> uh, what it is is what it is, you know. Now, this guy's in the same condition as the man who wanted to change channels when he looked in the mirror. I suffer from accurate self-esteem. <laughs> that kind of goes with today's sermon, uh, 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 Andrew, Andrew's sermon, uh, when he talked about uh, repentance uh, being where you find out where you're really wrong about yourself. Uh, and when you find out the truth about yourself, Aren't we glad the gospel doesn't leave us there, but it gives us hope. So, this being the case in our sinful world and our broken world and our sinful situation, where do you go for spiritual health? Where do you go for, for peace? Well, here we go. <laughs> self-improvement, self-empowerment, self-aggrandizement. <laughs> Don't you see a lot of that in, in the bookstores? And I think I told you about my all-time favorite New Yorker cartoon of all time is, is the one, you've heard it many times, <clears throat> when a guy walks into a bookstore just like this guy, walking to a bookstore, and there's this big, big group of, 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 uh, of these kinds of books here under the big topic, self-help. And then over to the right, there's this Beyond Help. He's got all these books over there, Beyond Help. And the guy's just going over. He's just walking over there. <clears throat> He's walking over there, so... Just changing the subject, but who, and this is a serious, but who makes the, the most profound Christian witness? Who, who really touches your heart when, when, they, when they talk about uh, their relationship with Jesus and, and, and uh, the promises of God? Uh, are, are they not the people who have struggled? Are they not the people who have uh, hit, hit bottom, to use AA jargon? Well, this guy, I, this cartoon... Uh, kind of got me here a little bit <clears throat> uh, when he says, our next speaker <clears throat> looked into the abyss and made a few notes. <clears throat> you know, my eyes would, my eyes would perk up uh, when, when that's the case because I want to hear from him. I don't want to hear from someone that, that's uh, going to tell me how everything's been that. Oh, yeah, I came to Jesus and everything's been perfect ever since. And, uh, you know, my, my investments <laughs> started clicking and my house sold in a week and so forth. Now, there's some people who are not changed when, when they, uh, by suffering, and there are some who, who are changed but become bitter. But would you not agree that, that by and large, the people who have, who have looked into the abyss and made a few notes, <clears throat> the people who have been in the ditch, so to speak, the people who hit bottom, do you not, do you not generally find that they are the most approachable uh, and, and, and tender-hearted uh, and people that, that have uh, able to have em empathy and sympathy and a heart for other people uh, who suffer. So 
I, that, that, this is one of the most profound cartoons that, that I had for the year, I think, uh, was this one and the truth behind that. Our next speaker looked into the abyss and made a few notes. And I think that's true of when you read through the New Testament, when you're reading through all the epistles, what you're hearing from uh, or, or from the apostles of people who have looked into the abyss and made a few notes. And, of course, the final analysis, it's, it's all wonderful. Now, th- uh, this brings us to this cartoon. Uh, I want to read something directly targeted at me. You know, what book does she need? She needs the Bible. Uh, if there's, if there's uh, any book that's directly targeted just for you, then, then, then read the Bible. Karl Barth, who is arguably the greatest academic theologian of the, of the last century, uh, once said that there are two primary characters in the Bible, God and you. And so even when you're reading about the nation of Israel, when you're reading about some other king, some other king of Israel, or John the Baptist or whomever, ultimately it's going to come down to, to God uh, and, and you. Interestingly, Bart also says something else. So it's God and you. And he, he even said, approach the Bible with a blank agenda, but don't even bring your own questions. See, because if you, if you do that, you're bringing, to some extent, you're bringing, some, you're bringing an agenda with it. Just come, with, just come, just come. And it's between God and you. And, and that the, the Bible itself will, will reveal to you what, what questions uh, they are to ask. And, and the questions that the Bible gives us to ask are, are profound. Like Jesus saying, who do people say that I am? Uh, uh, do you believe this? When he says to, you know, I'm the resurrection, the life, who believes in me, though he died, and not shall I live. And he says to Martha, do you believe this? Well, see, that's between, that's between us. That's not just Martha there. He's talking to us. Do you believe this? Uh, who, do you, who do people say that I am? Well, he's talking to us. Some say Elijah. Some say John the Baptist. Some say this. But who do you say that I am? See, the Bible's talking to us. So if this lady wants a book directly targeted at her, we got one to recommend. We've got them in there in the, in the bookstore. Uh, we talked about repentance today. Uh, Andrew did in his sermon, Repentance. Uh, and I kind of thought about uh, that as I, as I present this next cartoon uh, uh, some people have never really felt that need for repentance, and it's something like this. <clears throat> it's not a word I can put into feelings. That's funny, I think. You've got to think that's funny, because, you know, what, what, the culture always says, oh, it's a feeling I can't put into words, and I hear that all the time. But how about a word that you can't put into feelings? Ah, now that's pretty, that's pretty profound there. It's a word I can't put into feelings. could be anything. But I thought about repentance. Uh, it could be sinfulness. It could be remorse. On the flip side, it could even be Christian joy. Christian joy, peace. It's a word I can't put in the feelings. And so the, 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 there's, some, uh, there's some power behind, behind, this, behind this cartoon. Speaking of repentance, there's a, little, there's a little book. It's up on the Dean Recommends book. It's called uh, uh, Repentance. What is the name of the book? It's written by Ironside. Uh, and unless I uh, repent or perish, if somebody, it's, it's, in, it's the only one that's about repentance. So I, I don't know how many copies are there, but I think you really enjoy it if you want to buy a book that has got some depth to it. Now here's a man, a guy that hasn't been concerned with repentance, but at least he's honest about it, uh, and I admire him for his for his honesty. 
but I feel badly for him. He says, the things that, the things that should bother me don't. Should I be worried? <laughs> Anyone ever identify with this guy? Well, let the church say that you, you, you should be worried. If, if you should, the things that uh, should bother you don't. Should you be worried? The answer is yes. Although I, I do find on the flip side of this, I find that there are a lot of people who are worried about their past when, when they could find more joy. Uh, but this guy's got the other, end of the, the other end of the deal here. You know, I told you about the guy that <clears throat> had to quit taking communion because he had these lewd thoughts, you remember? Uh, and, and he asked me what, what I needed to do about it. And I said, you know, I said, nothing. Nothing. Just... Just when you have these blue thoughts and say, you know, you're not bigger than the blood of Jesus. You're the devil working on me. I recognize you, who you are. And you're not bigger than the blood of Jesus, and I'm going to take communion. And, you know, I, I think that he was freed up to do this. This guy, over is on, on the other end of the deal there. He says, the things that don't bother me, the things that shouldn't bother me don't. Should I be worried? And I've had, uh, we've all had some experience with that, too, when you approach someone about something that, that is not good that they're doing, and, and, and they say, you know, to be honest with you, uh, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to let, I'm not guilty about it, and how sad that is. Anyway, that's one of the most serious ones. Uh, now, this man was also honest. I'm not trying to say anything. I'm just talking. Now, when I saw this cartoon, of course, I immediately thought about dialogue between people, but I also thought about dialogue between, between us and God. I don't know about you but, about you, but a lot of times, even when I'm praying, I find that I am just saying words. I'm not saying anything. I'm just talking. And uh, I'm not trying to say anything. I'm just talking. So if, if you catch yourself doing that, I do what I do, particularly with a prayer that you know really well, like the Lord's Prayer. Just start over. And start over and say, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on what, so that, I, so I, I'm not just talking, I'm, I'm saying something. But uh, here again, this, this was one that, that's, that stuck me. Now let's, let's take a, let's see here. Yeah, well, let me back up. I'm not ready to show it to you. Yeah. Uh, the refrain of St. Augustine's life was, why did I do that? Now, he was often alarmed uh, at the things that he did uh, at the, the, and, and the, the things that he thought. He saw sin manifesting itself in his life, in his, in his thoughts, in his behavior. And the great theological question of his whole life was, why did I do that? And he is actually, St. Augustine is accredited with, with rediscovering the biblical doctrine of original sin. But whether we are Christian or not, we have to admit there's something wrong with, with man everywhere you find him. It doesn't matter how educated you are. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what your socioeconomic uh, background is. It, in fact, it really doesn't matter even if, if you come from a civilized world or not. Something in the human being isn't right. Uh, and there's something there that causes knee-jerk reactions, impatience, unpredictable bad moods, greed, lust, uh, covetousness, envy, self-indulgent appetites, self-centered ways, uncharitable thoughts to our neighbor, and we could do a whole catalog of these of these things uh, that 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 we find in our heart. Uh, and you know, as I've often said, I'm basically a very good guy unless somebody provokes me. 
and then you'll see it come out again. It's a thing that's not right. And the Bible sees it as a universal condition that in, in some ways has been uh, a, a kind of psychogenetically handed down uh, from, the first, from the first Adam. But I bring all this up to you because this particular guy was right to say You can't blame everything on being homeschooled by bank robbers. <laughs> Boy, you know he's right. I'm not... I, this guy got it wrong. I blame all the violent cave paintings. <clears throat> See, one guy got it right, another guy didn't. Now, obviously, bad influences like being homeschooled by bank robbers or having violent, having violent paintings in your nursery... Uh, can exacerbate uh, the problem, but the problem is deeper. The problem is within, from a depraved heart. This woman got it right. Everybody is a bottomless pit of something. <coughs> what is your bottomless pit? Name it. Give me some. Anybody want to volunteer? Bottomless pit. <laughs> well, you know, you could say ball peanuts or, or whatever it is, and. Uh, I, I would say that's, uh, that's good stuff, but, but something that's, that's bad for you. Resentment, greed, envy, foolishness, Haagen-Dazs ice cream. I mean, you, 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 you name it. Everybody's the bottomless pit of something. The bottomless pit of frustration. That's part of the human condition. Thank you, sir. Now, wait, wait, let me back up a minute. That's too good to, to spoil right now. Let me just say, again, I hope I haven't been pessimistic this morning as I bring this to an end. Uh, because to be honest, I'm not a pessimist at, all, pessimist at all. Because I truly know that Jesus has covered my sins as nasty and as manifold as they are. And I know that he's overcome the wages of sin. The wage is something that you earn and your sins earn. The wages of sin is death. It's overcome. But in the meanwhile, I have this tendency to speak in realistic terms and not in euphemisms like this head of cabbage. Compost, I say it's manure and I say the hell with it. <laughs> now that's another one. I was eating some cereal. I just, you know, spewed out over the table. Thing you do, you don't look at these cartoons while you're eating breakfast. You got okay, I'll say the last cartoon uh, for a good portion of Birmingham and indeed for a good portion of all of Alabama, uh, certainly for, uh, uh, for a lot of people in this parish, young and old, and it's simply this. Have you given any thought to what you're going to do with your life after the, the national championship game? <laughs> Have you? <laughs> Our salvation is not at stake tomorrow night, so uh, uh, let, let us remember that. Well, the bottom line is, uh, huh? Oh, my gosh. Don't even go there. Well, that's a good thing because, you know, if your dignity is at stake over these things, you know, you're just not going to be able to get out of the bed. Because uh, eventually it's going to get you somewhere along the line. It's going to come back. The ground of our existence is not... 
is not work, play, football, or even, or even family first. If you want the truth, uh, it's the if, if we put the Lord first, then all these other things will fall into place. It's like the cavalier, the cavalier poet said before he went off to war. He said, "If I didn't, if I did not love country more, I could not love you, dear, so much." And so uh, the cavalier poet is right. You know, if I didn't love the Lord more, I could not love you, dear, so much. And so. I'm not sure exactly what that's got to do with football, but I'm, I'm just saying that, that if, 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 you got, if, you, if you're standing on a, on a sure foundation, then, then we can have fun with national championship games and all. But, but really and truly, when, 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 when your happiness is at stake, I mean, then you, you're, you're cruising for a bruising, as I, as I, as I can t- tell you. I can tell you, I don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> Anyway, I have fun. I hope you have too. And uh, that's it for right now. Maybe we'll do some more uh, sometime. We have a whole year now to, to, to pull off uh, the, the, the next ones that we'll choose. Uh, and, and maybe along come June or something, we'll do another one. Next Sunday, we have a good, great slate of classes as we all, always do. But in this particular class, in the Dean's class, we're going to bring uh, a chaplain, someone who's had a lot of experience with prison ministry, and I would love for you to... Uh, for, for any of you who m- maybe uh, would like to know more about prison ministry, then you're certainly invited to hear uh, next Sunday. In the meanwhile, let us go forth into the world rejoicing in the power of the Spirit. Thanks be to God.